0: Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Behold, I thought. Let that sink in a second. Behold. I thought It's almost as if you say, "'Behold in front of anything," and it sounds biblical. Because typically I would show you the verse that this is. You're not going to find it in the Bible. There is no verse that says, "'Behold, I thought." because in fact, this is what's taking place in your mind pretty much every day. You wake up in the morning, behold, I thought. I wonder what follows after that. Some may think, behold, I thought, I'm going to go to church today. That, that's a good thought. Behold, I thought I should get up and, and pray. I should get up and take care of my children. I should get up and turn the news on. Behold, I thought I shouldn't have ate whatever I ate last night because I'm not feeling so good right now. Behold, I thought I should have turned the heat on last night because it's freezing right now and I don't want to get out of bed. We have all sorts of things that go through our minds and we think they're the most important things because they go through our minds and I imagine we think like this. Everything we think is something important, something something that we need to dwell on, something we need to act on because of course we thought it. As I thought about this, I wanted to lighten the mood a little bit because when I ask my kids, what do they think? And this goes to my kids, my teenagers, and pretty much anybody who now is alive and has a cell phone because the way they think today, it doesn't take place in words in your head anymore. It takes place with these things. We call them emojis. Did that come up right? Let me see here. Let me see. There we go. Little emojis. These are the th- these are the emojis by the way you know that that is a derivative of a word emotion into emote and so we have these little pictures that convey the emotion and we call that emoji um that we're feeling you know this is a crazy uh feeling this is a st- I'm scared whoo feeling and and this last one I still don't know exactly what it means um but I like using it uh, my kids use them all the time in fact there's an entire language around emojis so that you can think And convey these messages very very quickly but what does the Bible say about your thoughts what does it say it's okay you don't need to study this morning I've done it all for you I prepared it right here in the Word of God it says for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways This is Isaiah 55, 8. It's in your Bible. Cut it right in half. Flip a couple pages back. You'll find Isaiah 55, verse 8. You'll see this verse right here. Now, I have preached this verse. I have shared this verse with people at the altar, people in counseling, people in a sermon. I've shared it out in the public. I've shared it at work. I share this verse all the time. And you know what? Almost every time I've shared it, my position, my perspective when I shared this verse was the first part of this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. I always thought it meant my thoughts are not God's thoughts. And that's how I would share it. You know, my thoughts are not God's thoughts. His thoughts are better than ours. My ways are not his ways. His ways are better than those. I'm sure you've heard it preached that way. That's how I thought it was for the longest time. Until I put this message together and went back and read it again. And read the verse before it, and read the verse after. It's called context. It's what we should do. And it's very simple. What this verse means. Are you ready for it? You don't have to turn to your Bible. I got it right here on the screen. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. Declares the Lord. This is the Lord talking. This is not Isaiah talking. This is not me and you talking. This is the God Of all creation talking. The great I am. The king of kings and the lord of lords talking. This is our savior talking. What do I mean? This verse used to be humbling for me. My thoughts aren't your thoughts God. I know they aren't. Correct them. Help me. My ways aren't your ways God. What are your ways? That's not what he's saying here. This is our God incarnate standing up. Almost in rebuke and saying your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. This is our God telling us criticizing us that we need to get our thoughts in line. This is not an opportunity for us to somehow meander our thinking and allow us to finally arrive at the right thought and say it's not yours. No, he's telling us without a doubt, behold, you think when you get up and you think wrong. Behold, you've made a decision. If you did it on your own, it's probably not the right one. This is what God is telling us. You see, to say it differently, maybe to say it in a little lighter terms, we have plans. We're going places. You guys have schedules. You, you've planned out your, your careers, your jobs. You've planned out what you're doing. Um, and then, you know, of course, you have obstacles that get in the way, of course, all the time. And those obstacles get in the way. And, and then, you know, you, you have plans to get around them. You have plans to remove them. You have plans to overcome them. And of course, when, when things happen in your life, you you begin to attribute purpose to them. You know, this is what God is doing in my life. You know, I need to do this because this is, what, or this is what's happening in my life, and this is the purpose for that. And and you'll post on Facebook the purpose or personal because we in our minds we have a lot of plans and we have a lot of purpose. I'm here to tell you, more than likely, your thoughts, your plans, your purpose, isn't His. It's so crazy. People ask me, why is God doing this? Why is God doing that? I can't understand it. Can Pastor, can you explain it to me? Hmm. Well, if I could explain it to you, that means I would need to understand it. And our plans, our purposes, they're so small, so tiny, teeny tiny. God's plans are eternal. We couldn't possibly understand what he's trying to do in our life. All that we can understand is that we need to go through it. And that we need to depend on him. We need to stop trying to get God to fit into our plans and demonstrating some connection and instead humbling ourselves to get into his plans. The name of this message today is not your way, it's his way. What is his way? this series that I'm doing, and it's not much of a series because i got one week to do it. So my thought is I'll jam as much as I can into this little message right now, and then, you know, as we have some guest speakers coming and speaking, and there's past appreciation, there's some other things, some missionaries, I'll have some times in between these visitors, and when I do, I'll stick these other messages in there. So this is part one of what I'm calling the Waymaker series. This is a song, of course. We sang it today. Waymaker. Miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my God that is who you are you may ask why do we sing that song why do we sing that song so many times why do we repeat the same thing over and over and over again you may say all these things I ask myself the same questions you know I thought of something today more than any other day when I was singing that song in light of this message that we're about to share I'm singing that song over here and I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking you know, I'm a Pentecostal. Some of you know what that means. Some of you don't. It's okay. It doesn't really matter. But as a Pentecostal, I've studied the Pentecostal roots. I've studied the revivals that have changed the world we know. Revivals like Azusa Street. Revivals like Pensacola, Florida. Revivals like the one that took place right here. Revivals like the one at Rock Church. There's revivals all around Baltimore that have taken place. And in all these revivals, you can go back and you can think and you can even read the Word and you can go back and you can study and you think of all of these amazing songs that came out of these revivals. Some are in our very hymn book that we sing today, and many of us feel very precious about these songs. They're anointed songs, and I love singing those songs and reminding myself about the revivals of the past, but as I was singing that song today, remember, for every revival of the future that comes, there will be a song, and we can either get on part of what God is doing in this world today and be a part of the next revival and stop thinking about the previous one. I want to see what God's about to do, and I tell you, when God's about to do something, he brings up a new song season, a new song, and I'm telling you, this song, this one right here, Waymaker, is one of those songs that God is using. One quick type on the internet, Google, type in Waymaker, you'll see who eventually came up with this song, you'll see people singing this song, and you will starting to see churches all over. I typed it in because I was looking for this picture, and I found three churches, all starting series, on the waymaker, I didn't talk to them. They didn't talk to me. We we didn't. We don't collaborate on this stuff. We were in our office the last four weeks figuring out how we're gonna do it. Something is happening with the waymaker. It's a song about miracles. How many of you understand that God does miracles today? Only hand, okay. There we go. Come on, Amber told you a whole dozen of His promises. How many of you believe that God's a promise keeper? Amen. Amen? Hey, let me put those hands down. Let's try this. How many of you have seen a miracle in your lifetime? Raise your hand. That's the same group of hands. Now explain that to me. So you tell me you don't just need to read the Bible and say he's a miracle worker? God done you one better. He said, oh, I'm not going to leave you with just the Bible. I'll do a miracle in your own life. How about this? How many of you have witnessed God keeping a promise in your life? Almost the same hands. Again, the same God from this Bible 2,000 years ago and longer kept all these promises and he said, that's not enough, I'm still going to do it in your life today. This is the God we serve. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Way maker. I read this devotion a little while back. It's just a few words. I want to share it with you. It's from Crosswalk. If you don't have a place to get devotions, find one. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. In the toughest of situations, this seems to be God's specialty. Aren't you excited that God's specialty is to make a way when there seems to be no way? God has figured it all out. He is literally working on your behalf when you can't see it, when you can't feel it. He has a plan and a purpose. He has a plan and a purpose in whatever we walk through. He can cut a clear path through anything. These words were penned years before this song was ever written. And in seemingly hopeless situations where we can't see any way out, God's power has the opportunity to shine the greatest. It is in those times we come to find an end of ourselves. We know we can't do it. We know we can't depend on ourselves. We know we can't depend on any one thing. We know we can't depend on any one person. It needs to be a miracle. We are reminded we are totally and completely reliant on him. I know right now, and I don't want to call too many of you out, but I know right now I can point to you there, and I can point to you there, and I can point to you there, and I can point to you there, I can point to you there, and I can remember your stories. When you said, I have no way out, God must do something, God did something, and you found a way out. Somebody believes it. He can make a way through the wilderness and called streams to rise up. He can split the sea. He can move the mountains. He can walk us on dry ground. He can conquer the giant. He can close the mouth of the lions. Close your eyes. Think about you walking through a room. You open the door and there is a lion standing in front of you. Now you tell me, if you say in the name of Jesus, and that line doesn't move, it sits on its hindquarters and stares at you, do you believe that you're in the presence of God? And then you walk into that room and see 10 more lines all sitting on their hindquarters, making a path for you to walk through, that's the presence of God. Now open your eyes. you need to start thinking of God that way. That's the God we serve. He can open prison doors. He can protect us from the flames of adversity. He can carry us through any storm. He is the God of miracle. He never changes. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That same God is the God that sent finances here to Kingsway to keep the doors open. That same God is the God who made a way to put a roof on this building when there was no way. That same God raised up unlikely leaders to lead the church as you see it right now. That same God allows these doors, these speakers, these lights to be on so that your children, your grandchildren, your brothers, your sisters, your parents, your grandparents can hear the word of God. Those ways are still happening even right now, this moment. On Monday nights... Our biggest small group is happening where people hear the word of God with our men's basketball. On Tuesday nights, people who are suffering from life addictions come to Kingsway to hear what God can do for them. Wednesday nights, we have our ladies' Bible study. Ladies, mothers, single people, married people, couples, figure out how can they be more of a woman of God. God is doing something in this place. I haven't even gotten started. Can you handle this? I really I haven't. I got I gotta get into the point because there's a major point here. As I studied all this, and I studied this way maker, and I thought about it, my mind immediately went to God creating this way. He's making a way, and it generally gives this this feeling that it's some new way that he's creating. Right? So I'm in some struggle. I'm in some challenge. I'm on a road that I don't want to be on. I'm on a road that I can't cross. God make a way. And maybe your mind, if it's like mine, it may be, well, I hope he's going to do this. Create this road over here. I'd rather be on this road. Now, I'm on this road. This is the tough one. He's going to make a way over here. You know, I'm on a mountain. He's going to send me around the mountain. I'm in a river. He's going to put me on a bridge over a river. You know, we constantly think of these new ways. And sometimes God does that. Sometimes he creates new ways, makes new ways in your life. But when I look at Scripture... When I look at what we mean by way maker, it illuminates something totally new, something totally fresh, because what I see in Scripture is not just another way, but the strength to go through the path you're on. He's creating a way. He's creating a way through whatever you're going through. I asked you to close your eyes earlier. No longer you can look at the screen. What if you were facing that lion right there? This is the book of Daniel. And he faced that lion with lions all around. Imagine the presence of God when that lion did not eat him. The book of Daniel, and I picked the book of Daniel, and I picked a few others that you know really well because I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to try to do it as fast as I can. The book of Daniel is about a man who was honoring God. He's a man who was after, he wanted to honor God in all that he could do, and he became friends with the king, and he would honor God through serving the king, and the people around Daniel didn't like Daniel getting so close to the king, so they wanted to get Daniel out of there. So behind Daniel's back, they made a law with the king or they convinced the king to make a law to not be able to pray. The Bible then says this, when Daniel learned about the law that was signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he's always done, giving thanks to God. The officials found him. How many of us Get interrupted in our prayers for the silliest reasons. Our phones ringing. It's a little too cold, a little too hot, my feet itch, I'm getting tired. My show's starting at ten thirty. I'm hungry. My kids are alone. No one's why I mean, all, all sorts of reasons. How many of us revolve our day around our prayer versus the other way around? Daniel knew this was against the law, and yet he still prayed. And because of that, the officials found him. And they took him, and they put him into a cave with lions in it. Look at this verse here. Daniel six seventeen. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. That's what it said. You know, it's funny when you know the story. What am I saying here? This is a situation where there was no hope, there was no rescue. This was, if you will, a final decision. The king said, I seal it. No going back. He's getting eaten by the lions. That's punishment. That's the way it is. And so many of us are sitting in these shoes today with final decisions looming over us. I can't get that job. I can't go here. I won't be healed from this. My circumstances will never change. My relationship will never improve. Divorce is the only answer. Addiction is the only answer. Pain is the only answer. Final decisions all around us all the time. Sometimes those final decisions are coming from the government. Sometimes they're coming from our community. Sometimes they're coming from our teachers. Sometimes they're coming from our bosses, our parents, whomever. They constantly want to put final decisions on you. And they want to do whatever necessary to tell you it cannot be changed. Ask some people in this church about some testimonies. I mean, i I I, I looking around, I see at least four or five. I can remember yours where we talked. Her situation couldn't be changed. The law said it wouldn't be changed, and yet God changed it. You see, God's ways are not our ways. His ways, in fact, they can be scary. God's ways can be scary. Daniel's praying, doing his thing. The next thing he knows, he's in a lion's den. Now I don't care how you interpret scripture. I guarantee you that's not what he was praying for. I want to go to a lion's den. There's no doubt in my mind. He was scared. In fact, we learned later he was praying that he didn't have to go to the lion's den. He was praying the king to help him. But God's ways are not our ways. His ways can be scary. Are you scared enough to be in God's will? It brings whole new meaning to fear the Lord. I'm tired of hearing fear the Lord just means reverend, reverence and respect. Yes, it does. I preach that message. It does mean reverence and respect. But the God I know split the sea right in front of Moses. The God I know put fire right down from heaven on the altar. The God I know sent Daniel right into the lion's den, face to face with that line I just shared you. And I'm telling you right now, those three incidents are downright scary. In the world today, in the business world, we call this stretching yourself. God wants to stretch you, and he'll do that sometimes by putting you in situations that may be a little out of your league. And he will be the waymaker. He will be the waymaker. He will be the waymaker. He will give you the strength to endure even this scary. Can you handle this? There's a secret here. There's a secret in this scripture, and I should just skip over it for the interest of time. But I'm not. I'm going to share it with you here. It's a cautionary tale. Daniel 6.14. You see, if you want to be in God's will, if you want to follow his ways, look at what I'm hearing here. In verse 14, it says this. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. This is when the king found out that Daniel was praying and that he now had to follow the law and now the king had to put Daniel into the lion's den. So the king said he was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. You see, there there was this light. There was this light in the door that Daniel was hoping for. You know, well... I won't bow to the government. I'll continue to pray. I'll honor God. And I know the king. The king will defend me. Even the king thought it. It's in the word. The king's like, I'll def- I'll find a way to get him out of this. They had a tight relationship. It's like knowing the pastor or a leader or somebody important. He'll get me out of it. He'll pray the prayer. Right? He'll sprinkle the, the water. He'll take me in confession. He'll do whatever he's got to do to get me out of the situation. Our ways are not his ways. He may have hoped others would come and help, you, help him. He may have hoped others would come to rescue him. But some things, church, listen to me, some things are out of the hands of men. And if they're out of the hands of men, then whose hand are they in? And if they're in God's hand, then you better be ready for him to do it his way. And it may be a little scary. We got time for another one? Okay. I got another story you may know. How about this one? The unlikely hero. This is the story of David. David. I can't say the book of David because there is no book called David. It's actually in Samuel. Um, David's story is written in Samuel, another king. David was the little guy, you know, the man after God's own heart, the little shepherd boy, you know, the guy who referenced the lions and the tigers and the bears, Dude, that guy, that's, that's David. He's a little guy, probably about my size. And David was out tending his sheep for the king. He had brothers, lots of them. Big, strong, strapping brothers, all groomed to be in royalty. He was friends with the king. King, who himself was a warrior. Resources, power, strength, wisdom, fame, all these things. The Israelites were doing quite well before the Philistines came to attack them, and they led with this man. Well, maybe not really a man. The Bible calls him a giant. I mean, here, let me see here, yep, yep, here it is, so in your, it's in your Bible too, you're welcome to open it up, it's First Samuel chapter 17, it describes this man, so I have one of these ones that translates it into English language, in English measurements, and so it says, you know, he's anywhere between seven and nine feet tall. That's a big man, by any standards, some would call him a giant. In fact, it says, and this is a whole message I can't wait to preach. I'm not going to do it now. But it says, he wore a bronze helmet, a bronze coat of mail, and it weighed 125 pounds. Now, when you read in the King James Version, you see 5,000 shekels. You read it in another version, you'll see something else. But this one actually did the math for me. It's 125 pounds. Why did it talk about 125 pounds? Well, because... Most of you men don't weigh 125 pounds. Me being a smaller guy had been 125 pounds before. It tells me something very interesting. He's wearing armor that probably weighed as much as David. And David comes by and he hears this guy screaming and yelling and defying God over and over and over. defying Defying God, defying God, defying God, defying God, talking terrible about our God. And nobody would stand up and fight him. Forty days went by and nobody would stand up. Here comes David. He comes to see what's going on with his brothers. And he says these words. He says to Saul, the king, let no one lose heart. Stop worrying. On account of this Philistine, your servant, me, David, I'll go out. I'll take care of him. This is a different Type of way making. David may have a little fear inside, but he's not showing it. I mean, this was a scary situation, no doubt, but that's not what he was feeling here. That's not what he was emoting here. You see, this was impossible. Saul was one of the greatest warriors at that time in the Israel camp, and he wouldn't even go out and fight this Philistine. This Philistine's been training for war his whole life. You know, imagine like one of those ones from Spartac, Spartan, right? I mean, he's just going to kill anything in his sight, and that's what he was doing. This was impossible. Impossible. Impossible wasn't a word that was in David's dictionary because he knew with God, nothing is impossible. So he said these words. He says, it's time to do something. What emoji would you use for God's ways here? I'm going to use this one. This is, I imagine, the face that David was using when he had this conversation I'm not exactly sure what this emoji means. I'm going to call it the determined emoji. This is the emoji when you know you're faced with something that's very difficult, almost impossible, and God is about to make a way in your life. This is the face you should be using. God provides, when he provides a way, he provides the motivation. He provides the determination. Something inside of you will get going when he makes the way. How about you? How about you? You've ever used this face? I'm not talking about on the phone. I mean, in your real real emotion. You ever use this face? You ever get inside of you so excited about what God's going to do, you know nothing can stop you? Do you know today what God created you to do? You're all sitting here. What has God created you to do? because I tell you that is our passion and our mission here at Kingsway to connect people with godly people and to connect people with godly purpose to understand what you are born to do because when you know what you are born to do, this face is inevitable. Bring it Satan. you want to send me down a terrible stomach illness so I can't go to church? we'll send a bishop in and four people will get saved bring it. You want to tell me that I'm not ready, I'm not worthy, I'm not able to do the sermon next week? I'm going to put together a Waymaker series, and we're going to begin to do something, Lord, that you've been wanting to do for a long time here at Kingsway, and this is just the beginning. Bring it. That's what this face means. Before you get too excited, though, it's a cautionary tale. You see, because if this was easy, everybody would do it. It's not so easy, is it? That's why everybody cries. Help me understand God's will. Help me understand how to do this, how to do that. I'm trying to tell you. The first way is God's ways are scary. The second way, God's ways are determined. Ooh, do you see that? They're determined. God knows what he's going to do with you, Angie. He knows what he's going to do with you, Angela. He knows. He has a plan. It's just us willing to listen to it. But what else are we listening to? Amber got up here and talked about distractions. Cautionary tale. Go back a few verses in 1 Samuel. Look what you see. Caution. This is for mature audiences only, but I'm going to share it with you. Do you see how this man, you see Daniel, I mean David was coming and David and all his brothers were there. All the the young strapping men and they were trying to figure out how they're going to take out this Philistine. And so Saul was trying to motivate them and Saul said this, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage. And he will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David then says, this is hilarious. David then says, okay, what do you get for killing him? What do you mean you get all this? Our ways are not God's ways. Men look To motivate, or humans look to motivate one another through achievement and desire. Being a servant, a disciple of Christ, is not motivated by achievement or desire. The world will motivate with wealth, power, sex, beauty, fame, all wrapped up in this one statement here. And it's how they were trying to motivate every single man to go fight the enemy. Did it work? The one guy who was even willing to do it didn't even want any of this stuff. He just wanted the stuff stupid Philistine to stop defying the name of God. He was sick and tired of this evil man defying the name of God. Do you see what I'm saying, church? This is what we need to get sick and tired of in this world today. We, we get so bent out of shape about everything going on around us, whether it's the world, whether it's our community, whether it's our church, and yet we really need to get fed up about people defying the name of God. And the only, only way I know how to, to solve of that brother is to talk to those very people about who Christ is and sharing with them what God is doing and God is going to make a way with some of you today and you're going to have that emoji face and you're going to be ready you're going to be ready and determined to share the gospel with somebody on the same road you're on now he's going to make a way through it amen I have so much more to say I'm just going to tease you with it. Next week is Past Appreciation Week. I'll finish this message in the week after, so now you get to come back. But the best story has yet to come about the Waymaker. The God we serve makes a way in front of lions. The God we serve makes a way in front of giants. And the God we serve makes a way when there seems to be No way. When I studied the book of Genesis, which is where Noah is, and I began to study how God made a way there, I found some amazing secrets. I've studied Genesis chapter 5, 6, 7, 100 times, but this time was different because this time I was looking through a different lens, and I want to share with you those secrets about how God makes a way. But hopefully I've shared enough. I mean, I could go on and on about how God healed the paralytic, how God healed the blind, how God let the man get up out of his, his, his mat and carry it, how the man who couldn't get into the water, God put his hand on him and said, rise and walk, how God helped the man whose daughter was about to pass away, and then the daughter who did pass away, and then Lazarus who died. I go on and on about the miracles that God created, or the promises that Amber shared with you earlier, that should be enough. It should be enough for us to praise the name of God and be so humbled in His presence we could barely stand. And church, when we sing those words, you are here. It should make you tremble. This God that I'm speaking about, is going to come to Baltimore to Rosedale, to this church this God is going to speak to you and me we're not worthy we're not holy we don't deserve it but he loves us so much that he will literally stop the globe from turning just to speak to you. You don't need to hear Noah this morning to know that God has plans that you couldn't possibly understand. But that you play an incredibly vital role who will hear it who will be scared enough determined enough and crazy enough to follow it this morning We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean It was not by chance you listened to it God is speaking to you Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.